Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Cohen, and I'm sitting in for the amazing Lana. She's out ill and is taking a little bit of time to recover, so she asked me to guest host. And today, I'll be chatting with my friend and futurist, uh, Peter Leiden. You know, with all the craziness that's going on in the world today, Peter is going to tell us why our future is going to be more progressive and brighter than you might think. Stay tuned. Welcome to Whiskey and Lemon. Peter has spent his career figuring out the future and helping others anticipating what's coming next. And his resume is incredible, but I'm just going to touch on some of the highlights. Um, early back in the days of the internet, Peter was the editor, managing editor of Wired Magazine and was one of the founders of two startups in the early digital revolution. Um, he had two big media businesses. Um, he pioneered uh, the Global Business Network. He co-authored two influential books, one of which we're gonna talk about today called The Long Boom. Uh, currently, um, Peter is probably one of the most sought after keynote speakers on what's gonna be happening in the future. And that's through Kepler Speakers. Um, and uh, he works with major corporations all over the world, companies like Autodesk, that type of thing, going in and talking to them about what they can expect for the future, coaching CEOs uh, and the C-suite on where this crazy world is going. And on all of that, welcome, Peter, to Whiskey and Lemon. <laughs> wow, that's a great intro. I'm going to have to use that in the future. But anyhow, thank you. I'm happy to be here. And fun to talk with you. Well, look, I, I, here's where I'm going to start things off. You know, you can't, you know, open your eyes in the morning and not just be overwhelmed uh, with news. You know, I remember when I was growing up and, you know, I was born in 1958 and like the news was like weekly installments, like, you, you know, and and you had time to process it and and hear it. There was one newscast a night and you got the newspaper in the morning and that was it today. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Like you can't like, like and it's, and it's never good. It's always worse and worser and worser. And 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 people are really having a tough time processing it all. Um, but what I found interesting is you kind of look at the future and you think that there are macro movements that we can't see, that we're not able to perceive that are going to yield better times ahead. So I wanted to start there um, and really jump in with when you're looking at the future, how do you make these predictions? Like, how do you, how do you kind of sense where the world is going? Well, good question. Well, um, so one of the ways, just from a simple point of view, is one of the ways I think about what's going on today is I think about what will people in 50 or even 100 years from now when they look back on this period, what will they see as like the story? Like what's the history? Like what will they, you know, talk about? The way we kind of talk about, oh, what happened in World War II or what happened in the in the, the great post-war boom or something. Mm -hmm. You didn't like know the kind of that day's kind of craziness or this or that kind of up and down of this particular, you know, politician, whatever it is. 
um, or this pop star or whatever. It's like you just kind of get the bigger picture and you get the kind of really what mattered then? What's the essential through line of that period? What what are people going to really remember? And I kind of apply that to our own time. And, 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 and when you do that and you kind of pull back and you look at that, you know, a lot of the craziness of that, what you were saying that just barrages you, you know, through Twitter and, you know, cable news and all that kind of crazy stuff. Kind of goes by and you start to think, ah, that would probably be the more important thing to focus on. The, the technologies that are slowly developing and are going to start to crest or the trends that are really building or the demographic shifts that are happening. How political politics is changing in a long way. I mean, there's a lot of the story of that bigger picture story that people forget. They don't mm-hmm. see. It's around them, but they need someone to point it out to them, explain it to them. And, and certainly in the current, like, so what's really going on today is kind of one way I talk about what I do. And when I, you say I talk to CEOs or boards and stuff like that, I say, okay, here, here, as much as you've been trying to track the craziness through the media, here, here's what I would say is what's probably really the thing to really focus on. What's to prioritize on? What people will remember? What's going to be the really key things? That's one way. But the other thing is going forward. People don't have any way, almost super smart people have no way to kind of systematically think about the future or or more kind of like more rigorously think about the future. And there is a whole field of what they call strategic foresight or some people call it the, the future business. I worked with the pioneers in that group. I actually worked with some of the literally the leading figures of that in the last 30 years, uh, mentors of mine. But I've actually learned how you can actually look at data. You can look at how where how technologies are being adopted. You can see where on the kind of a technology adoption curve they are. You can see when they hit a certain inflection point often around 5% of kind of uptake in a market. And you can kind of then say, ah, we've watched how this happened every other time with these technologies. Now we're going to see this secondary inflection point happen to others. So for example, you're starting to see these inflection points being hit with solar energy. Uh, you're starting to see it with electric cars. You're hitting these inflection points. And people today, they look around and say, ah, not that many people have electric cars. But that's just like they said in the mid-90s. Oh, you know, people aren't going to really get on this internet. It's like, who, who you know, it's going to be this goofy thing. And so, but the point is you can kind of see it from the past, but you can also understand the mechanics of it. And so then you just project it out. And that's what I do a lot of my business is trying to explain how these technologies will play out in the next 10, 20, 25 years even. And then also trends do a similar thing. There's a kind of a way to kind of analyze trends, particularly if they're around driving forces like demographics and things. And you can say, ah, these millennials, you know, now, yeah, they're not college kids anymore. They're actually, you know, they're right. 40 and, you know, they're actually the running the cup. They're they, by doing buying houses and doing starting families and they're the bulk of society. And it's not these boomers who are, hey, they're now almost dying off and, you know, basically kind of retiring and so this is going to shape the society in different ways. And it's that big picture way that you think in these giant through lines that really makes a difference and finds, you know, opens people's eyes like, holy shit, I hadn't thought about that. And they see it in a different lens. Well, so so basically you are well trained at separating the noise from the signal. Yes. And then be one and because it it's all noise, right? Like it's just, right. it's right. like like squirrel. Right. So, 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 but, but, but if I go, but if I, so let's look back, you know, 25 years ago, you wrote this article called The Long Boom and you made a number of predictions. And Nostradamus, I must say, would be absolutely jealous of you because you nailed it. Not only did you hit, hit all the right chords on what you predicted, but you also predicted what was going to deter these trends from happening. And they all kind of came true as well. There was this like yin and yang. So, so, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about 
where you th see things going for the next 25 years. You've just written an amazing article called The Great Progression, okay, where you look at things going forward. And as I tease to our gentle listeners, um, you think things have hit an inflection point where we're going to have a more progressive future. So I'd like you to dive in a little bit, you know, and I know that there were you know, technology got us into this mess. You think technology is going to get us out of it. And, and you see 10 megatrends that are going to be happening. So that's a lot to bite off. But let's have a conversation first about the megatrends you see coming and uh, and then how technology is going to save us. <laughs> OK, well. Um, OK, so so what you were referring to before was. 25 years ago, I made that prediction. These laid out what's probably coming in the next 25 years in what was called the long boom. Magazine piece went into book, went into multiple languages, and I spent a lot of time speaking all over on that one. You're right. That did play out. Now, so without getting caught up in that, just saying I've watched this, I've done this drill before. So in the last several years, I've actually been doing the next drill, which is thinking about the next 25 years. And the main thing I've been trying to wrap my head around, particularly, is to what extent we can solve climate change, or we can solve not just climate change, but a lot of these big challenges that are seems impossible to solve for many people. So many people think, oh, you know, climate change, we're not even going to be able to solve it. Oh, my God. It was, it's intractable. Just, people think it's intractable. What can I it's do, it, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Climate change. But also, there's also economic inequality or political polarization right. in America and the West and all kinds of issues that just people like think oh my god it's 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 just how can I curl up in a ball mm -hmm. i just think that's that's not what's really happening around us um now i think i mean it's true people are reacting to it that way but i think part of what's happening right now and i spent a lot of time talking to senior executives there's an old world that's been kind of working for the last 40 years around you know using you know the old uh you know carbon energy and old internal combustion engines and conservative politics and boomer kind of culture and all kinds of anyhow this there's this world that everyone kind of is used to that is coming to an end and so there you get a lot of doom and gloom from people from that perspective you know media and politicians have grown up in that and media have been talking about that they're watching this world kind of fall apart but they're not seeing this next system uh, that is emerging, uh, a sustainable system, but a system you know that's superseding all these other systems that we got used to are now getting superseded by essentially you think of them as 21st century system, like clean energy is a superseding carbon and you know electric mobility, electric autos and superseding internal combustion. Anyhow, there's a bunch of ways to talk about that. If we have more time, you can go into all these different pieces. The point is we're in the middle of this transition. So people are feeling the feelings of the old system crashing and not understanding or seeing how the new system is building. And so what I was doing with this article is trying to explain, here's what is getting built. Just like in the middle of the 90s, I said, here's this digital economy that nobody understands how it's gonna work. Here's this globalization of how we're finally gonna knit the world together in one giant market, which we've never done in the history of humans. Let's just think that through how that's gonna play out in the last 25 years. And largely what I told that story, it worked. It kind of played out. And so I'm doing the same thing here. And to my mind, we are now hitting a series of tipping points. And I think particularly around where the technologies are that are going to help us solve climate change. And, you know, we've talked about some of them already. Kind of clean energy is just taking off. It's just becoming cheaper than carbon energy, solar, wind, all that. But also we're seeing the breakthroughs that are starting to come and fusion energy and a bunch of different new kind of energy technologies that are actually uh, looming out there. And people are getting very confident that we can basically start using those within about 10 years. Anyhow, there's a bunch of developments that are technology based that are starting to hit this point where, huh, 
we can actually do this. You're actually starting to see global finance is now moving huge sums mm -hmm. of money now are moving in the direction of this sustainable world. It's just incredible. Right, well, We've got about a trillion yeah. dollars now going into the last year, going into all things green and sustainable. Anyhow, so you're starting to watch this, the tipping point. You're watching in politics happen. What just happened with the United States, we just got $370 billion as you got through Congress to now is law to actually apply towards opening up this this green future, uh, you know, through the infrastructure and all the that we have to build. Anyhow, you're starting to watch this tipping point happening across many different barometers. And people, because it's tipping and it's still early, you can't see where that goes and then how it scales and how it goes into exponential growth and how it spreads globally, which is what happened with the internet and the technology there. That thing, we've been through that drill. We saw how fast that happens. We're in one of those now around clean sustainable everything now you know there's a bunch of ways to talk about that and that is where we at and so i'm just laying out hey folks done this before i'm looking at it again here's where it's going there's a very strong case that this is happening don't be gloom and gloom look at like can do and that hey we can pull this thing off and uh it's already happening the other thing is not just like speculation like waving your hands like oh wouldn't it be cool if this would happen or it's actually it's happening. happening. It's, it's actually tipping. And actually the numbers support it. And I got all the numbers and I'm laying them out these numbers and saying, folks, just play this out. And that's, I think, what what really energizes people and makes them much more optimistic. So, 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 but, you know, like, and again, I've kind of been through transitions, you know, is, is all the noise that we hear, like, you know, because I, I just made a comment the other day on LinkedIn to somebody, right, about it, about the new food economy, right? Is all this noise that we're hearing, like the incumbents, like, like basically thrashing around like a cornered animal, like that's the noise we hear. It's like the, the old guard is kind of getting disrupted, is getting put like put out to pasture, and they're going to go out, like they're going to cling on to it till they're cold dead hands right you know we, we have to pry it out of them is that kind of what we're hearing these days is totally that right? I mean, yeah totally there's, there's a whole thing in the climate climate world they call it um uh predatory delay is is, right. is a phrase that people use sometimes which is uh and it's certainly the case uh by the by the way one of the beauties of you know i guess the people listening is maybe are younger um but one of the beauties of being older and having been through this drill before as you've watched right. before i mean in the mid '90s, basically, the newspaper industry said, "Oh, this, is, this internet thing is—it's ridiculous." They had twenty percent profit margins and monopolies in all their newspapers, and you know, oh, that's—it's not going anywhere. People used to say, "Oh, no one will put their credit card on the internet, and nobody's going to buy stuff on the internet." Anyhow, there's always been naysayers, and there are always the incumbents that are like have everything to to kind of basically protect. So yes, there is always the incumbent crew that is saying no. But also the incumbent crew, uh, it's not just uh, them alone. It's that people are wary of change. They they don't like they know how the system works now. They 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 have a job that works. I know how it works. You know, it's like if you tell me it's all new and oh my god, how do I got to learn new? I got to change my job. Okay, anyhow, there's a bunch of resistance in general. That's why people will hold on the old paradigm of how the world works or how an industry works. They all hold on and say, okay, yeah, this is gonna hold on. Until it just becomes to the point where, oh, my God, the new thing is happening and there's just no stopping it. And then everyone has to, then they all shift their paradigm into the new thing. And this is happening, right. by the way, in the auto industry. I mean, literally five years ago, if you told the auto industry, you know, we're all going to be electric, they would have just booed you off the stage, which I used to do all the time. And now, you know, everybody's doing it. And every Super Bowl commercial is an electric vehicle now because it's just shifted. Now, it just shifted fast. 
And and the thing is, this is happening in all kinds of fields now, and it's happening fast. And the meat one you mentioned is another one. It's like the beef guys, of course, they're going to say, you know, oh, my, this kind of nascent, uh, well, this is maybe more complicated to lay out here. But basically, there's a whole, um, not just the Impossible Burger, which is plant-based meat, um, but there's actually you cultivated, you, right? Cultivated yeah. meat where you can take the actual cells of a of a of an actual cow or a pig or whatever you want, put it into that, give it the same nutrients and the same amino acids and the same all the stuff that the cow is going and the pig is going to take in over the course of their lifetime, and you just do it much more efficiently, like seventy percent more efficient way to do meat, and it's the same cell. It tastes like meat. It's the meat. It's not like a plant trying to be meat. That thing's taking off. There's 80 startups in the Bay Area right now. And um, now it's still expensive, but these all start expensive and then drive it down and boom, that's what happens. So anyhow, there's a million of these examples happening. And so you're holding, you're seeing the incumbents or the legacy players muddling up everything they can. Now it gets really interesting if you want to move to politics. I don't know how you want to go to politics, but the same thing's happening in politics, I would argue. Can we go into politics? I, and, can I, and can I just uh, say for our oh. listeners, this is being recorded a week before uh, the big midterm elections. And uh, and I will preface it by saying Peter thinks that things are going to be moved more progressively. And as a touch point um, down in Brazil, uh, the right wing was just defeated uh, by the former progressive uh, uh, president Lula. Um, and so let, let it, let's talk about politics and how you th see things shifting from conservatism to progressivism. Okay. Okay, well, at the risk of not knowing who your audience is exactly, and I'll be cautious here, would be respectful. But honestly, when I look at what's happening and is going to happen over the next 25 years, to my mind, blue America is in, in this fight between the vision of America between blue America and red America. Blue America, I would say, not only is winning, but has won in the, in the long term frame of things. Now, again, we'll put a little caveat on what exactly happens here in the, in the midterms, but let's just talk about this. Yeah, because it's hard to it's hard to uh, take that in now with what's going on with Roe and with what's going on with election. Yeah, uh, but here's uh, here's uh, the way uh, I would say this again. Try to be respectful because I mean, I, I'm right. from the heartland that I a lot of my family is. Kind I of understand. Same thing. I'm in touch. But, but, I, but, but here's what here's what here's what's happening It's like. If you look at the numbers, the demographic numbers of young, I mean, for example, just generational change, um, it is indisputable that the numbers of boomers are falling off a cliff. About 10,000, um, you know, boomers every day are retiring, <laughs> basically hitting retirement age. And also there's a lot of them are starting to die off now, the front end boomers that are, you know, well into their 70s. And it's just happening. And this is just what happens. But also they have less heft in the economy. They're not buying stuff. They're not working. Anyhow, they're less important. Millennials and then Gen Z, which is very aligned with their uh, values in terms of climate friendly ideas or, you know, Black Lives Matter or all kinds of stuff. That double barrel generation is now peaking. It's coming to be the dominant one in American politics. And that's just inexorably happening. It's just look at the numbers. It's how it's happening and it's going to play out in the next 25 years. And that cohort, by the way, of younger people, when I say younger, it's like 40 and under, just overwhelmingly are kind of blue America values. They're kind of Democratic voters, that kind of stuff. And there's also some inexorable changes in terms of people of color in this country. It's clearly going to be by 2045, whites will be a minority in the entire America. Right now in California, by the way, whites are about 35% where I live. And it's awesome. I love this place. It's nothing like everyone's worried about it. It's like, it's fine. But the point is that politics is coming to America. And that is essentially urban 
blue America politics is 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 where things are going. I would argue now, you know, again, more dispassionately looking at the big pictures is happening. So to my mind, what's happening on the other side, particularly red states, which are one rooted in uh, carbon energy, you know, Texas and, you know, all these kind of um, uh, heartlands, they, 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 they have a lot to lose with going off oil and going off natural gas and all that. So that there's a fight just on an economic level. But on a political level, a lot of the kind of problem, what's trying to happen now, what everything that you're seeing, right, that's happening in the Republican Party, we're not going to take, you know, accept the, the results, the election, we're going to keep people from voting. No, that's the side, not of a of a side that sees their side winning the hearts and minds of America for the future. That's a side that's like desperate, hanging on and trying to do what they can in the in the end game here. As you see the, the the tide shift, and this is the way I would explain the bigger picture way what's happening now. Now, just to be clear, um, this exact midterm, you know, the House might tip to back to the Republicans, all this stuff. I mean, again, you, when you think about a bigger lens, I'm talking about this over this decade and over the course of, for certainly over the next 25 years. You know, so ups and downs, you can have little tweaks here and there. But I will say this: that normally speaking, in the way that old system worked for the last 40 years. The Democrats should be getting creamed right now. It should be a total red wave, which is what the, you know, again, conventional wisdom was earlier in this year. And in fact, it's a super close race. Dems will probably hold the Senate, could well even hold the House, but might even tip. But even so, it, that historically is a rare thing, rarely happened. And now it's happening now. Why? Because this tipping point is hitting. And if it isn't going to be clear now, it'll be clear in 24. It'll be even clear in 26. You're going to just watch it play out this decade. This American politics is shifting. Now, if you're on the side of that's kind of inexorably winning at that, it it's, could be heartening. On the other side, it could be really freaky. And that's why you're watching the desperation. Um, and by the way, I just want to say this, though, is like this is not unprecedented. Basically, American politics has gone through these sea changes in, in politics mm -hmm. many different times. It came off the 1930s and in, in the Great War. There was a total shift in politics in the post-war world. Same thing off the 1850s in the buildup to the right, Civil right, War. Right. And then after the Civil War, a whole different politics and a whole different coalition kind of drove big changes uh, in the country. This is a thing we've been through this drill many, not many, but several times time. sure. in one of those now. And that's the way to view what's happening now and to act accordingly, in my opinion. Well, well, it's funny. I tell people and I go, look, if you were born in, in 1900 in San Francisco, by the time you were 45, you went through a devastating earthquake that destroyed your city. You went through a pandemic. You went through World War One, which wasn't called World War One at the time. <laughs> you went through the Great Depression and then you went through World War Two. I go, so if you want kind of crazy times uh, <laughs> exactly you know, counter, crazy time counter counter blessing so so i want to ask so like so let's get personal with our listeners a little bit and just say in your mind you know if you're a person you know you're in your you know 40s 30s 20s what can they do like for a better future like you know can, can they like is it hopeless or is something you know like you worked on the obama campaign in 2008 um, and were an instrumental role in digital campaigning. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so you did something. Um, what could you do um, if you want change or you want to help this progression take place? Give a, our listeners a couple. Well, of on the very simplest level, I would just say right off the top is do what I call the positive reframe. It, it's like don't join the chorus of negativity and doom and gloom and despair. That is, there's plenty of that out there. <laughs> Right. But to actually try to focus 
uh, on the many of the positive things happening um, around us and to actually make a positive reframe in the world you're around, whether it's your partner, whether it's your family, whether it's your Thanksgiving or something, you're at, you know, it was like, oh my God, the world's going to hell. It's like, well, actually, no. I mean, be a force for positivity can do positive energy in the general, your, how you act in the world. Right. And I would say that's the positive reframe. Everyone can do it. And it actually adds up over time and it actually makes for a real cultural sea change. The second thing is if you're able to do it, uh, or the second thing I think I would actually say is there is a juncture we're in right now. And again, without, I don't want to be overtly you know, political or partisan, but I will say this. This is a rare juncture in American history. And I would say all Western history, it's some of the things that are playing out in Europe right now. Um, is like, this is not a time to sit back and just let everybody kind of, you know, do their thing. This is a time to become civically engaged, and I would say politically engaged, and to actually make a difference, because it is going to make a difference at this juncture. And it's going to, you know, ultimately, I was just saying, the long-term arc here is, is going to play out pretty much the way I would, I, I would argue, but it can make a big difference if it's going to be this year, or the next year, early in the 2020s, or late in the 2020s, or have to take to the 2030s. Or, God forbid, some crazy ass thing happens uh, through politics, because politics is a leverage point in the future. You can make big changes. It's not just, hey, let the technologies play out or the trends play out. Politics can intervene and, and change direction. And I think that's and so you got to get involved and, you know, the very least start voting uh, and make sure you vote. But even get deeper than that. I did a similar thing like you mentioned. Um I was working in the private sector. I was a young guy, relatively young guy in the early 2000s there. And after the 2004 election, um, which didn't go the way I thought, um, uh, George Bush won a second term. And anyhow, the whole country was going towards more war in the Middle East and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I said, damn it, I'm just, I, I left my job in the private sector. It was a good job. I had a great career going. And I said, I'm just going to get involved in politics. And so I spent four years at a political startup I helped found bringing technology people into Washington, kind of helping uh, bring politics to the internet, basically innovated those whole world. I spent a lot of time explaining to everyone in Washington, like, why would you ever want to tweet? What is a kind of Facebook? You know, why is a YouTube video? Why would that be useful? You know, what's a Google ad? I mean, literally, I spent all that time doing that with bringing all these people from these tech companies in there. And it did roll into the Obama campaign. I was part of that, his technology media advisory committee, which was a historic campaign in 2008. So anyhow, the point being is there's times in your life, sometimes you got to just do big moves. Sometimes it's just kind of do better with what you're doing. But I would say there's a bunch of ways average anybody can get involved in these junctures. And I would uh, encourage everyone to do that and to stay positive, stay optimistic that we can pull this off. Because you know what? We can. We can actually improve the politics dramatically in this country. We can actually solve the income inequality. It's totally possible to reshape capitalism into more of a stakeholder capitalism. And it's ultimately we can and will, I would say, get a handle on global climate change and uh, stop global warming and actually manage this in the next century. And um, so be part of it, because I think people, again, we talk about people at 50, 100, 1,000 years from now, even looking back at the early 21st century, they're going to see it as an amazing time for humans and amazing time in the West. And uh, you're, you're, you're around now, so take part in it and... Uh, and uh, do I your agree. part. It's a historic moment. Okay, so I've got two quick questions for you because we've got about five minutes left. No oh, good. Uh, and the first one is if you were to look back in time uh, and go to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? Wow, that's an interesting way you hadn't really thought about. Well, here's the thing. Um, this is an interesting one at, at sub-level is, is like, 
at the time, I was kind of a liberal arts guy and I was all into ideas and books and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, ultimately I did play in that game. But I had a lot of disdain for business at the time. I was like, oh, I'll never get into business and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things is funny is, you know, one, I've founded and run two of my own startup companies since, you know, now as an older guy, I basically ran Wired Magazine in the heyday. I've actually been working in some of the, you know, I've been now advising all these businesses all over the place. It's like, um, you know, never say never, you know, never, never kind of think when you're there. It's just stay open to how your career can evolve and how things that you once thought, you know, oh, I'll never do that. You end up doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've actually given this advice to my, my daughter's the same thing is like, you know, I said, she's, you know, in her late twenties and she's, she's the point, you know, where, you know, she's kind of feeling this fatigue and what she's doing and stuff like that. And I said, you know, when I was in my late twenties, it's like, I didn't even know what I was eventually going to do, you know, I mean, I mean, I had jobs and I was a journalist and I was kind of doing my first career, but the point is you have so much ahead of you. If you stay open-minded and stay creative and stay energized, I mean, again, it's can-do energy. Um, stay curious about the world. Keep learning. You'll evolve into all these new spaces, but um, don't cut off opportunities by saying, oh, I don't like that, or I'm no, never me, or I'm not going to do that. It's like, you don't know. It's a long life. It's a long career. And, and, and the world takes a lot of turns and just roll with it, roll with it all. And uh, I, I would say... Uh, that would have been my advice to my my the the me that thought I knew what I was doing at the time. Well, so here's your 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 final out cue. Um, what's the one thing that you feel people get wrong about you that you wish they would actually know? Wow, that's interesting. The one thing, well, I mean, let me think. The one thing, um, well, I mean, I'd say two things, actually. One of the things about my career that is, um, I've done a little of a lot of things, and I've connected the dots between a lot of different spaces is right. kind of what has been my thing. So, for example, but I've been living here in the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco Bay Area for like 25, 30 years. And so people think, okay, you know, he's this American tech guy, you know, whatever, he's West Coast guy. But it's like, no, actually, I've been, to, you know, lived abroad for a long time. I've married a Berbred. I was like, I've been to 50 different countries. I hitchhiked through Africa when I was a young kid. And anyhow, there's a bunch of sides of me that are more global, and I've done a bunch of things. And, and so, you know, people tend to pigeonhole, uh, or, you know, another thing is like, oh, he's an West Coast, you know, coastal dude, doesn't understand the hard line. No. In fact, I grew up in Minneapolis. I grew up with, you know, in a kind of a split family of not, not split, you know, divorce, but split between politics, you know, Democrat, Republican. I got a bunch of cousins who are all kind of, you know, Trump people. And they're all kind of anyhow. But I mean, the point is, I'm from there. I've actually worked in Alabama. I worked all over the country. I mean, anyhow, the point is, don't assume where you are now, what you're doing now doesn't mean you're informed and kind of from other perspectives and actually have the curiosity and the open-mindedness to actually know and appreciate those places. And I think it would help um, all of us if we kind of really understood who we're talking to in all their complexity and, and be open to like, they're not some pigeonholed thing that, you know, here's what you are. I'm not some kind of tech dude in, in San Francisco. No, he, he's, he's, he's got a lot more going for him, I would say, in my opinion. Right. And I think that would be helpful. And I think it's just a good way to think about everybody as always. Everyone has a story. I've learned this as a journalist. Everyone has a very unique story and they're dying to tell it. And all you got to do is start asking the questions 
and they'll start pouring it out. And uh, it served me very well as a journalist. It served me well as a hitchhiker when I was sitting with people for hours and hours. And just ask people about themselves and get them in their complexity uh, and not take them as some kind of caricature of who you think they are. Well, as the, as the host of this uh, podcast uh, likes to say, uh, uh, more grace. Give people more grace. Um, Peter Leiden, futurist. Listeners, check out the article. You can find it on the internet. It's called The Great Progression. It's easy to find. It's a, it's a hefty read, like for an article these days. I know everybody has, you know, three-second mm -hmm. TikTok uh, attention spans sometimes, mm -hmm. but about a 50-minute read, well worth your time and uh, to be informed and to understand why you can keep it positive. And uh, we just want to thank you for joining us on Whiskey and Lemon. Well, it's fantastic to be there. If you can't find that article, you can always find it through my website, which is uh, peterleiden.com, L-E-Y-D-E-N.com. But anyhow, uh, totally agree. I would love people to read it and love to give me feedback and uh, through my site or whatever. But um, in, in general, yeah, stay positive, stay optimistic. And uh, it's been great to talk with you, Neil. Thanks so much yeah. for having me on. Oh, thank you. And thank you, everybody, again, for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hopefully, Lana will be be back with us sooner than later as she recovers. And, uh, and this has been a delight to be here. So thank you for having me, Whiskey and Lemon. And we're going to sign off for now. <laughs>